So, I'm yeah, disappointed. I'm a dark horse and Shelton Benjamin. I heard you. I'm disappointed at you. You didn't put Eddie Guerrero, your man, on that list? Uh, it's so hard not to put Eddie Guerrero on there. He's definitely over Shelton, ass. But that's the thing. How I see it is, Eddie would have been too obvious to put there as technical. That's why I picked Shelton. When I said Dark Horse, I legitimately meant Dark Horse. Okay, if you want a Dark Horse, Hulk can be a Dark Horse. <laughs> Who's your dark horse pick? Hulk Hogan. It's like, no, let me stop. Don't you uh, do that. Somebody, people's task. Easy. Task? You don't say 2004 to two, 2002 to 2004, Brock Lesnar? Task. ECW task. Fucking 96 to 2000 task. Give me somebody who can who was better than him in suplexes and submissions. <coughs> Chris Benoit. No, nah, I'm sorry. Taz had too many varieties. At what point Taz was doing over 20 different suplexes? Yeah, I feel like all doing all them suplexes, he must have hit his head a lot. That's why he sucked at commentary now. Yeah, commentary is a different thing, and he was better at ECW at commentary because he could say what he want. Oh, of course. I don't know, man. Yeah. I seen I seen Taz break arms. I seen Taz put people to sleep. Legit, nearly kill Sabu on a handful of times. Oh yeah, they were asking for it, and that's the thing too. In a hardcore place like ECW, Taz was the only one that didn't really have to resort to weapons. But if you force exactly. him to, he'd fucking break your neck through a table <laughs> off a suplex at that. Man, EC, original ECW was violent. Especially if like, he put you in that. Especially if he put you in that four Nelson suplex. Oh yeah. man, through the table. Oh man, like like Sabu and I'm trying to think. Like Sabu and Taz, like how I just said, Sabu and Taz. Honestly, you know who else slept on? That was an ECW that was great in technical wrestling? Chris Candino. Chris Candino was a good technical wrestler. Amazing. He was amazing. Another person who I say is a great technical wrestler who slept on nowadays, Chad Gable. Definitely. Because he really don't have a feature spot to shine. That's why. Yeah. That's why, put ben- that's why I put Sheldon Benjamin as a dark <laughs> Chad Gable, because I would have put Jack- Chad Gable in a heartbeat. All right, let's talk about female technical wrestlers now. Female Charlotte technical is- Charlotte up there. Natalia. Oscar. Oscar's definitely up there. Ember Moon think? getting their chops. Ember Moon showed me something at um, TakeOver New Orleans. Shayna's getting better. Yeah, man, she got some work to do. I ain't gonna lie, they timing was off that match. That takeover. I think the time because the takeover still was a match. Really, it was it was kind of not necessarily average, but above average. Mm-hmm. I think they did really great with the spot for the take in this match. I oh, especially. Should... My bad, we forgot a female too, Becky Lynch. Oh, yeah, Becky Lynch is one of the best technical wrestlers of today. Mm-hmm. 
And also, what I was going on. Oh, yeah, Shayna Baszler with her spot uh, during the TakeOver New Orleans match where she had popped out her shoulder and she rammed it into the turnbuckle to make it go back into place. Yeah, and I like the fact that she used her hair on that choke. That was dope. Good storyteller. Her matches have really good psychology. Her psychology's got way better. Yeah, it's natural. She's a fighter. That's why I thought Ronda Risley would be great in the ring. It reminds me of uh, back in the 90s, that pure rope. Uh, what was it? Uh, Minoru Suzuki, the league that Minoru Suzuki has started up in Japan in the 90s, I think it was Pure Rosu. Sounds familiar, yeah. It, I think, I think that's the uh, like, league. it was the first like recognized MMA, MMA fighting league. I know what you're talking about, I forgot what it's called though. Yeah, I think it's pure, it's, I think it's Pure Rosu. Because it was supposed to be like a shoot, shoot wrestling. Mm-hmm. And Suzuki back then was murderous. A lot of people was in Japan back then. Like I, Suzuki. Did, I saw this one woman's match, and it was a legitimately, legitimate, legitimately a shoot fight. Two chicks <laughs> beat blood out of each other. I think that's some. I think I know what match you're talking about. Uh, I forgot the girl's name. The girl's name shot on the other girl. I forgot, but one girl looked like Bull Bull Nakano back in the day, but it wasn't her. Yeah, Bull Nakano. Bull Nakano slept on. Oh my god, tremendously. But back to '90s and technical wrestlers. What about Ultimo Dragon? Another wrestler that no that people really need to remember. Ultimo Dragon, he was a beast. Yep, one hundred percent. Great Muda. I was gonna say Great Muda too. Great Muda still wrestles. That's a crazy thing too. Yeah, him and Liger, they never quit. Yeah, actually, yeah. When I think about it. If we were to do a high flying list, we could say Liger then and still, well, not necessarily now because he's toned down his high flying style. But, but we're talking about all time Perry, he got to be on that list. He's definitely top five all time. He invented the shooting star press. Him and Hayabusa. Yeah. Hayabusa. Hayabusa the 450. Hayabusa, uh, one of the greatest wrestlers who never worked for Vince McMahon. Yeah. Everyone forgets about Hayabusa. R.I.P. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he had probably my favorite tag team match of all time. It was uh, Hayabusa and I forgot that dude's name, but he had that little run in WWF, you know, with all the Japanese tattoos on his body, front and back. I can't think of his name. I know in WWF it was Hakushi, but Damn, I can't think of a Japanese name. But it was him Booster versus RVD and Sabu in 1988. I think it was Wave 98. I thought that match had uh, Dynamite Kid in there instead. Nah, Dynamite Kid was been gone by then. It was in 98. 
oh, that was 98. Because I remember when you had told me about that, I thought you had said early 90s. I was like, oh. No, nah, that, nah, that, that match I'm talking about, that five-star classic, that was in the 80s. It was him versus Tiger Mask back in the day. Oh, now, yeah, I get you. It was Tiger, the Tiger Mask and Dynamite Kid one was above that one. So it was like I I got them confused and mixed them up. Yeah, but that match in that tag match in '98 is a classic. That'll be my gem of the day if you want to watch that. He weighs '98 tag match Sabu and RVD versus on uh, Habushi. I would just say Hakushi. The guy that's the damn, uh, Japan name. <laughs> still my favorite. Still my favorite tag match of all time. TLC three. I thought TLC three was better than TLC one, two, and four. Really? Yep. TLC. I'm not saying they're TLC one and two. Is that the one they had on SmackDown? Yep. With like Jericho and Benoit, Benoit almost killed his damn self. Yeah, it was like three days after the the two man power trip versus Benoit and Jericho match, which is unironically my. I'm trying to think, where do I rank that one? Like, my fourth or fifth favorite tag team match of all time. Wow. Two-man power trip was dope, though. And that was a great match. See, my, but, my top tag team matches will be all over the place, like 90s, 80s, and everything. Yeah. Because, I mean, Harlem, I, Harlem Heat has some classics as a tag team. Yeah. Harlem Heat and the my second favorite tag team match happened just like two years happened less than two years ago, and that would have been a revival versus DIY two out of three falls match. Oh, that's up there. That was a great match. I mean, that Us- Usos and New Day been putting on lately. Usos and New Day, they two out of three falls match was dope. And I also thought they're two out. Of- did they have a two out of three falls match? No, no, I'm tripping. My bad. They, I mean, they hell in the cell. My bad. They hell in the cell. Oh, yeah. That's what I was about to say. Yeah, their hell in the cell match, I think, was their best match together. And that's like, that's in my top 10, too. Oh, it's up there. Because, like, watch, cause watching that, it's legitimately, like, painful to watch because you're just wincing the whole time. And then you see the story playing with uh you with Kofi just outside watching. It had great camera direction by seeing the look of terror, like the look of terror and like disgust in Kofi's face, and you can see just the pain and like the welts, the welches just like bruising up on Xavier and Big E's just amazing. That's true. And their spots was incredible. I think that's one of the best. That is the best Hell in a Cell opening match. So, what is your favorite Hell in a Cell match of all time? I think you already know what I'm going to say. What, Taker and Mankind? Yep. I think it's overrated. I think I... It's only it's only two spots you remember out of that whole match. Like, no moves was really done. It was just... I like it because that... The I shock like value, that... don't get me wrong, shock value alone makes it one of the greatest matches ever in WWF history. But yeah. nothing was done. It was overrated. If you being a guy of in ring work and all that and psychology, you should you should understand that. Yeah. Like if anything, I, the first Hell in a Cell match was better than that. I was Charlie just about Taker to get was better than that with K- 
And then cake coming down at the end was icing on the cake. Yeah, I was, just about to get, I was just about to get to that one, too. I was like, I like Mankind and take her more because shock value spots and it felt like a huge fight. And the thing about Taker and Mankind is they both had punch matches, but they knew how to make a match really just sell well. And just like when you watch it and just like rewatching it, all this. Taker thought he legitly killed him. So, yeah. It's a crazy match to watch. Like seeing all the, seeing the thumbtacks come out. I've been watching that live. It was hard to watch. Oh, it was. Unbelievable. That's a bit. Yeah, I was like, what, an 11-year-old, 10-year-old kid? I wasn't even 11 yet. I was about to be 11, a 10-year-old kid watching that. Yeah. Yeah, it was kind of, it, 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 I was wincing, I'm not going to lie. But, you know, another great one that slept on, Brock versus Taker, the first one they had. That one slept on, especially if it had that, the best. Uh, when he split Taker head wide open with the steps. Or the, uh, one of my favorite parts. When Brock climbed to the top of the cage to celebrate with blood dripping and blood was dripping all over the title. Mm-hmm. Like, that, that was, was great. Yeah, that was a good one. But yeah, I say the first Hell in a Cell match is better than Taker versus Mankind because of, because of in-ring work and the debut of Kane. Now, I'm not going to say that is the better match. That is the best Hell in a Cell match to me. I just think my favorite is the Mankind versus Taker match. It's true when you can say, it's true when you say that there's like really only two memorable spots in there, but when you think about it, those are two of the most memorable spots in all the wrestling history. Yes. Yeah. But that's 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 the crazy thing about it. That was like the only moves that were done in that match. <laughs> and plus, so still, and those, and that's not my favorite, like Mankind or Undertaker match. My favorite Mankind. Nah, match. I mean, shit, the Border Room Brawl was like one of my favorite. It was innovative. It was interesting, and did the twist at the end with Paul Bear turning on Taker. Yeah. Oh man, that was a classic. I think my favorite, my favorite Mankind match is probably. Uh, against Shawn Michaels at In Your House Mind Games, 96. I knew he was going to say that. I knew he was going to say that because that's when Michaels proved that he can do it all when yep. he did that When he did that flying sweet chin music. Yep. My, fa- my favorite – not my favorite Shawn Michaels match. That definitely was one of the early table spots too. Yep. The one – the first was one of the early ones. The first table spot I remember was when uh, – Diesel Brett versus Diesel. The Brett versus Diesel table spot at Survivor Series 1995. Yep. I think that, yeah, I think that was the first table spot. Yep. ECW, of course, was already doing table spots like crazy. I mean, if you want to be technical about it, who really made tables famous was Public Enemy. They started all that for real, for real. Yeah. Oh, I would they was because they was doing that in the night or like 91, 92. Early EC early ECW WCW days, public giving me was doing that. And now how I see it, table spots are really oversaturated. Not but not like wooden Everything table is. spots. Not wood, wooden table spots to me are still have like a, a feel for it. 
unless they like unless it's like indie table spots and the table doesn't break. Ain't enough it ain't enough one table spots if you ask me. But I think announcer table spots and oh, WWE every I think they're overused because when you think about it, you can look back and at every single WWE pay-per-view that has happened for maybe the last five years, at least one match on each of those cars have used the table spot. The announcer table spot. Yeah, the announcer table spot. Yeah. They used it at Mania. They used it at NXT TakeOver New Orleans. They used it at Fastlane. They used it at Elimination Chamber. I think they used it at Elimination Chamber. Uh, they used it at the Rumble. They used it at Takeover. Uh, Takeover Philly. Class of Champ. Class of Champions. Survivor Series. <laughs> you could go on. Uh... WrestleMania 34, how about that? (laughs) They used it at Mania 34. Yep. It's legit, like, because, like, when they did it in Japan, it was a legitimate shock because they don't break the table over in Japan. Mm Mm-hmm. And you could even, and, like, you could even tell that they didn't break, that they don't usually break it because during Chris Jericho versus Kenny Omega, legit all the notes, uh, the commentary went out for a while. Yeah. That's how you know they don't overuse it because they're not prepared for it. That's true. I guarantee they use one at Backlash. Oh, definitely they're going to use one at Backlash. Mm-hmm. Extreme Rules gets it right out the way and probably will use in like a first match. First match be a table match. <laughs> exactly. Greatest Royal Rumble is going to use it, or else I like to call it Middle East Mania. I'm not going to go on a rant. You know how I feel about that bullshit. (laughs) And then on top of that garbage. (laughs) Your your THC levels are too low to talk about it. I'm not talking about that. I'm going to be too pissed. But, uh... We're gonna have to do a whole podcast episode about that one. Yeah, we should we should do it like the night before. But uh, also, like, what happened today about that? I heard they changed it. It's Taker versus Jericho now. Yeah, it's Taker versus Jericho now. In the casket match, still. Yep. Uh, he must have took a break from Fozzie. Actually, I think uh, Fozzie's tour ended. They ended around Mania weekend. Okay, so he's just out there to secure the bag. That's cool. Because what I think, because they said also Rey Mysterio is uh, booked to appear at Greatest Royal Rumble and be in the Rumble match itself. Really? Yeah. After that, I see Jericho and uh, Rey going back over to New Japan for a bit, then coming back to WWE, then going back and securing the bag everywhere they go. Yeah, because, like, I, I... I can see that because Jericho got some unfinished business with Naito. Yeah, and you know how Jericho is on Twitter saying, oh, no, unfortunately, I'm done with New Japan. I think Jericho's just working everybody. Yeah, he got some unfinished business. He got to fight Naito. Yes, Sue. 
that's a good match. That would be a match that puts Naito into, because like, already people in the West know about Naito. I can go down the street with a Los Ingridables, Los Ingridables, De Hopan shirt, and people are going to know who that is or wear a shirt that says Destino on it. You know they run Japan as far as merch. Yeah. Brother Club out here is popular, but over there is still popular. Oh, yeah. Los Inga- and to anybody listening, if you didn't know, in Japan, you think Bullet Club's running it? Nope. That's all LIJ. That's why during Wrestle Kingdom 12, Naito had the biggest chance. Naito had the biggest pops. Naito had, the bi- had everybody wearing his merch in the crowd. At least, at least fifty percent was wearing Lij merch. Definitely, definitely. Like Naito is over. Very, very. That's another wrestler. I can't wait for him to see him get his uh, second IWGP Heavyweight Championship win. Yeah. That'd be cool. But speaking of Japan, want... I want to ask you. What is your honest opinion about Switchblade Jay White? My honest opinion about Switchblade Jay White. That's supposed to be the sound of me sparking one up. I'm listening. Because that's I literally would have to be I I like Jay White in ROH. I like Jay White in ROH. I think the I think the gimmick's decent. It's kind of cool because it's a Blade Runner reference. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I think people are really hating on him a lot because he came in and he was put he was booked so fast. Yeah. Kind of like kind of like the Young Lion version of Roman Reigns. He puts on good matches. Jay White is a good match. Is a good in ring. He has good personality. He can get heat. But he's still super and he's still super young, so people need to give him time to grow and learn and really benefit. And what stable he just joined? He joined Chaos. Oh, that's a good look. Yeah. I remember all this. That's, uh, that's an interesting dynamic though. Because you know Chaos is like the baby face of the baby face and He's like anti-hero, so did he join them strictly because he hates the Bullet Club that much? Yeah, I was just about to get to that part because I remember what culture had posted a video today saying what was the best stables in Japan, and they said Jay White had boosted chaos a lot and made chaos interesting, and I was like, I didn't agree with that way, but no. But when you he like the story really told of him joining chaos was. That he didn't like that he doesn't like Bullet Club because he rejected Bullet Club. Uh-huh. And two, he didn't he wanted to come for Okada's heavyweight championship. That makes sense. He says he's coming for, he says he's coming for Okada's championship. And how I see it is Jay White has had a string of good matches. I thought I thought him versus Tanahashi at Wrestle Kingdom was a fairly good match. I think it was – there was a lot of good spots in there too. It was very slow pace and was much like a uh, palate cleanser during that. 
Mm-hmm. And it was a filler match. It had the one of the worst spots to be on in the card. Was during a seven hour, was during like a six, seven hour show that you had to be the third from last match. Wow. And the crowd was, and the crowd was super drained from this fatal four way for the IWGP junior heavyweight championship that had nothing but flips and crazy spots in it. Man, but let me ask you this though. This going into the future as far as, you know, New Japan and everything after the All-In show and all that stuff. Do you think Cody Rhodes is going to end up winning the IWGP Heavyweight title one day? I can see him winning the IWGP Heavyweight Championship one day. Because how I see it is Cody is going to become the leader of the Bullet Club until... Because what they prefer... And New Japan is they always have the leader be some guy who can challenge for the IWGB Heavyweight Championship or a star. Yeah. It's why. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, it's all right. It's uh, it's why Yuji Nagata is the leader of his own kind of kind of his own stable. I think it's third. I think it's third generation that he's the leader of third generation. Uh-huh. It's why. It's why Minoru Suzuki is the leader of Suzuki Gun. It's why, it's why Okada is the leader of Chaos. It's why... I'm trying to think who else. I would say, right, the only exception really is Taguchi. And that's crazy that all the top stars in Japan got their own crew. But if WWE oh, did the same, they get, they get shitted on for that. Well, it's like... Because when WWE does it, oh, they just—they're really doing it just to like shield merch out and everything, and they don't use it properly. Mm-hmm. They make really convoluted storylines with it, and as soon as they make a good stable, as soon as the stable gets hot, WWE's already trying to break them up. Like the Shield. Yeah, I think the Shield broke up at the proper time. Thank God. Because I think they were, because it felt like they were trying to break him up even earlier than that. And I was like, no, don't do that. That's true. But yeah. What about the Wyatt family? Oh, man. They ruined the Wyatt family. You could have did, you could have did a lot with. I would have gave Bray a title early. I would have gave Bray, I would have started off with having Bray. Win and win against John at WrestleMania 30, and having him come off top and during that feud because he could have been booked as a legitimate star. Yeah, you could have booked him as a challenger for uh, Brock's title during his run from 20, SummerSlam 2014 to WrestleMania 31. That's true, but who he ended up fighting Taker, right? Yeah, he ended up fighting Taker. And this may sound controversial to a lot of people, but at that time, I wouldn't have ended the streak to Brock. I wouldn't have ended it to Bray. So, well, you would have let him retire with the streak? Uh, well, I would have said, I would have basically had, I would have had him win against Brock and at Mania 30. And I would have had Bray beat him at Mania 31. Because that would have been really able to sell that new face of fear thing that they try to push with Wyatt. Yeah, I never got that. 
it would have legitimately worked if you would have actually gave him leverage with that. Instead, he is always the person always taking the pins. That's true. Bray always loses feud. That was like a guarantee Bray would lose the pay-per-view match. And plus, you always gave him – and you gave him a stable with two guys, Harper and Rowan. Rowan, at that time, had the personality of wet bread, and Luke Harper was the only guy getting really over and won the Intercontinental Championship. Yeah, how does your lead – how does a guy – your lackey win a title before you? Yeah, that's crazy. I think Bray can actually wrestle sometimes. Bray's not bad in ring. Oh, break and go. Yeah, break and go. No mer- the No Mercy 2017 match he had with Ballard, that was actually a pretty good match in terms of in-ring. Yeah. Was it considered, yeah. Was it considered Finn Balor technical wrestler or Prince Divot? Uh, I would consider him a balanced wrestler. He's good technical. He's good high-flying. He's good striking. Yeah. I'm considering him a more balanced wrestler. I think he's pretty good. And he has the best uh, tope suicida and diving uh, cope don't he heal. This up there. I like that one, the Sami Zayn's. Oh, yeah. Sami Zayn's like bounce one that he does. That's great. Oh, Cedric got a great one too. Oh, Cedric! Cedric gets up there when he does this. They land, land on his feet. Yeah, I like Kenny Omega's. Kenny Omega's is like looks like insane though. Mm-hmm. Like he looks like he's willing to risk it all when he does this. And it's so yeah, effortless. He does it so easy. It's so smooth. Oh yeah. And it looks like he never really hurt. It looks like really safe when it on the opponent spectrum. It looks like he's taking all the damage. Definitely. Which is actually pretty good to me. Yeah. That's how you get a lot of friends in this business that like to book you for a lot of shows. Yep. Another person who has a really good one is Killian Dane. Yes. And Samoa Joe's. Uh, with the forearm? Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Because, like, legitimately, you turn around in the ring and you see a 300-pound guy coming towards you diving in between the ropes, you're going to be terrified. <laughs> That's hope, man. But yeah, what were we talking about before that? We just went off on a rant, like a tangent, not a rant, tangent. Yeah, it was for a minute. <laughs> and that legitimately made me forget because now I was think all I was thinking about is suicide dives and everything. Yeah, I mean, it's been so- I like Grandmad Elite suicide dive. Yep. I just like Grandmad yeah. Elite. Man, he should have been first cruiserweight champion, honestly. I wouldn't mind that. It would have been a hard he selling point been. because you would have had him you would have needed him like you would have needed someone to speak for him, but at the same time it would have worked. Yeah. Also so, go ahead. No, you can uh, go ahead. No, you go ahead, sir. 
Uh, I'm trying to remember what we were trying to say earlier. That's legitimately hard to think about now. It's like, dang it. We're talking... Hey, that's a legitimate... Let me, let me ask you this question. I think it's a legit question. Who do you think has the best mic work in the WWE right now? Best mic work? Miz. Mm-hmm. The Miz, 100%. Hands down, I think it's the Miz. Okay. What about K- is KO up there? Oh, Ke- Kevin Owens is definitely up there, too. Kevin Owens can play both sides of the spectrum pretty well now. He used to be an okay babyface on the indie scene. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was. Steam was the dude, though, back then. Yeah, he'll always be known as a really great heel, but at the same time, he's gotten way better on the mic when it comes down to playing both sides of the spectrum. Sami Zayn's really good on the mic. Uh, Roddy has good... Roddy, Roddick Strong has good promos, but he, does, he doesn't have good delivery. Mm-hmm. Adam Cole has really great mic skills. Yeah, I like that guy. Uh, who else? He might be a star when he get called up too, Adam Cole. I'm telling you, I I'm wearing my undisputed era shirt right now. Adam Cole is going to be a star. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, someone else who has really good mic skills. I would say Charlotte had good mic skills as a heel. She has her moments. I, yeah, I think she was way better. I think she was way better as a heel, to be honest. Because as a face, she of just course. as a face, she just comes off as that, like Sasha. Yeah. Like Sasha had pretty decent mic work when she was a heel. Yeah, when she was a heel. What is it called a ratchet? Yeah. Mm-hmm. When Sasha was a heel. Sasha was a good heel. Yeah, it was pretty, it was that's pretty all right. That's kind of left out for female technical wrestlers, too. Yeah, the queen of box. I love her, but she's the queen of box. I just think I just seen a 25 older retire because of her, her silliness. Yeah, it's like it's, it's legitimately sad. I really hope that wasn't like a personal thing that. Her that she like took serious from Paige is because I like Sasha, I really do, but at the same time, it's like you gotta learn to. If that was a legitimate accident and then accidents happen, but if that was you putting a little bit too much into something, you gotta learn to be better about that. Definitely, you just ended a 25 year old's career, and maybe the only way they could either wrestle is they have to wait another three years to get back in the ring when she already waited a whole year and a half. And, or she just never, re- or she has to go to the independency and lose, lose out on making a lot of money in the WWE. Cause she never can come back due to injuries or the worst option of them all. She has to stay retired and never can get back in the ring at 25 years old. Hmm. 
Like, I can feel... Hey. Huh? I'm sorry, go ahead. But yeah, I'm, like, saying... I can feel Paige's pain, because it's like... I already love wrestling, and I haven't had my first match yet. But at the same time, I would never want that taken away from me. She was just entering a prime. Yeah. Like, I... That's sad. Like when I start my rest, my wrestling and everything, I have a legitimate enjoy for it. I want to do this for like all my life. I can never imagine being somebody who's been in the business for over ten years at that point. Because I think Paige has been doing this since she was a, super young too. Like fourteen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She's been doing this since she was super young, and mm-hmm. she she was gone for a year and a half due to neck injuries. And she just finally gets to come back. She gets to have all these friends. She's out of a bad relationship. She's started a new chapter in her life. Suddenly, two months later, she's off the shelf. Yeah, that's true. All that work for nothing, huh? Yep. And it's so sad to see. Yeah. It's sad is no one want to take responsibility for it. Of course. Because it's like... I could have saw those... I could have saw those being perfect feuds. I could have saw Paige taking the title off of... uh, Off of Alexa Bliss and... It would have been Paige versus Asuka uh, Mania instead. That would have been a good match right there. Would have been a good match. And plus, when you, you me? yeah, would have been a good match. I'm sorry. Yeah, and I also think Paige was a super not necessarily underrated, but kind of, she kind of goes unappreciated when people talk about the whole women's revolution thing. Because Paige was really kicking indoors. Definitely, I mean. Paige. Everybody remember night after WrestleMania 2013? Yeah. Paige and AJ Lee, to me, were kicking indoors. Yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree with that. They were definitely pioneers. Yeah. Especially Paige. I, From the work she did in the NXT to that. I still remember uh, AJ Lee and AJ Lee's pipe bomb that she did on a Total Divas cast. I remember that too. Cause I was, cause I watched you that. You know what though? I mean, a lot of people in your generation does this, and a lot of people in my generation kind of disagrees. What makes really AJ Lee great? What makes her great? A great, yes, a great personality. She had a great look. She was good in ring. I mean, she was she was known for fucking everybody on screen allegedly. And like as far as her own camera persona. And that's the su- and, that's, and that was the sucky part because she really wasn't. Yeah, like AJ Lee. I know. And to me, AJ Lee is one of my is my favorite female personality of all time because legitimately she didn't have enough chance to sign. They're always trying to make her a manager or something instead of an in ring talent. Exactly, and that's like she did well with everything that she was given. I think she was like five five years too early. Exactly. She was looked at as more of a toy than a than a real wrestler, and it makes me sad that 
she's now like retired and everything. Because I loved AJ Lee when I first saw her debut. I was I already had like a crush on her because I saw her debut and she was talking about video games and everything and stuff like this. I was like, okay, this is a cool girl. Then she did the heel. Then she did the heel turn and everything, and she betrayed and she uh, went on the portray betray. I think it was Daniel at the time. Yeah, but I didn't. I didn't necessarily always like all the like love interest stuff that she used to that he used to try to put her in. Yeah, but I think she always. And then I did like her personality. Like she could have created up, up, down, down. Like herself, she was like a super nerd. Everybody followed her. Everybody loved her. Yep. She was the first to really bring out that persona. She even paid a letter. Yeah, she even paid the way for Xavier Woods. She sure did. In a way, yes, she did. Another guy who's looked uh who's unappreciated. Oh, very much so. Personally, my favorite member of the New Day. Consequences creep. <laughs> and I think besides Booker T, my favorite black wrestler of all time. Oh my God! You over Mark Henry. I mean Farouk, Ron no. Simmons. No, here's the thing: I like Farouk and I like Mark Henry, but Xavier Woods. I've watched. I've I've seen almost all of his matches. I've legitimately I followed a guy nonstop. Jay Lethal? You think he's better than Jay Lethal? I think he's better than Jay Lethal. That's my personal opinion. I think Jay Lethal's good. I think Jay Lethal is great, but I still want to see a Jay Lethal versus Xavier Woods match nowadays. Because the best part about Xavier Woods is you think about all the stuff he's already did in the business. I mean, he has the longest reigning tag team record. New Day sells a bunch of merch. He has up, up, and down, down. He's had good matches. He's got one of the best elbow drops in the business today. I agree. And he's just entertaining, and he's only 31 years old. That's true. I'm still young. I can see, because he's probably in my, like, top 30 wrestlers right now. I can see him moving up and taking, like, a top 20 spot. If they let him shine. Definitely. I feel like, honestly, when I think of it, I think Xavier Woods is the member of the New Day who is ready right now to have a world championship run. Oh, a Big E? I, I, I have to disagree. Because when you think about it, Big E, Big E and Kofi can do it, but at the same time, they're not as Big ready. E, definitely. You got to definitely, like, you have to build Big them. E ready. I feel like you have to build both of them up. Xavier Woods, nah, Big e ready. I feel like he can carry it if he did it. Big E ready. I'm sorry. Big, Big E's going to eventually ready. get it as a monster. He's been ready for years. And I don't think he would. I, I I honestly wouldn't have liked it if he probably would have won it when he was Big E Langston. I mean, when he first came out, like his NXT persona was great. Yeah. At the same time, his he just. Five, five counts? His five count persona was great to me. 
Yeah, but when he came up to the main roster and he was with himself with the Intercontinental Championship, it just didn't really stand out as much to me. Yeah, because he, he didn't know he had a decent mic skill until New Day. New Day really, you know, stepped his mic skills up. Yeah. He honestly reminded me of how I felt about Bobby Lashley the first run. Oh, man. I felt like he was just like a big guy with not too much personality. Man, trust me, Bobby Lashley will be up there. Yeah. To me, Bobby Lashley is really eh. But at the same time, he's had room for improvement. I'm, I'm excited to see what he does in the WWE, though. Yeah. I'm excited to see. Because let me think now. You got Jason Jordan. You got Shelton Benjamin. You got Bobby Lashley. You got All of New Day. You got Ember Moon. You got Naomi. You got Street Profits. You got Bianca Belair. Mm-hmm. Who else? Who else? I mean, we're being represented out there right now. I mean, I'm not. Worldwide. I was going to. I was thinking about putting Titus Worldwide up there, and I was like, do I really want to put some jobbers up there? I mean, you got to think about the jobbers and that. Titus been in the WWE for what? He ain't get fired. He hasn't. He's very young, did. He's nearly got fired. <laughs> Titus. Yeah, but that was. You know, I mean, that was conduct. That wasn't really because he wasn't good enough in the ring to be a WWE performer. Actually, what I saw Darren Young's uh, first match on the indie scene, and it's not actually bad. He's not a bad wrestler, though. He's definitely not a bad wrestler. I just think he just never like had enough to stand out. No, they they not ready. They still not ready for wrestlers to fully come out the closet. That's why. I don't. I don't necessarily see it as that either, because I mean, if they're trying to give Finn Balor a gay gimmick, they're ready for an actual gimmick. I mean, now, but they wasn't when he came out. And plus, the nature of how he came. And plus, maybe it was the nature of how he came out back in 2012, 2011. Because mm-hmm. he just straight up said yeah. it. That is true. No book, like no build up enough. Yeah, like no book, no like, because I feel like if they, if he would have told WWE, WWE would have probably found some way to like monetize it. Of course, he would have had the Rainbow Violet Club T-shirts. <laughs> I find it hilarious that they release a gay guy, and now a few months later, Stephanie's trying to give Finn Balor a empowering gay gimmick. Crazy. It's legitimately like, is this what you guys have told her to worry about your divas? Maybe, maybe, but then again, I mean, he is the most metro looking, he's the most metrosexual looking person on the roster. Honestly. I'm just laughing. It's... <laughs> uh. He does well. He does well with the demographic. Ah, jeez. Yeah. I have no. I have no problem with gay people. Just to let everybody know. Not at all. It's just funny. To, it's just funny to me that uh, every person Stephanie picked him, and like they are legit pushing it. 
with the with the Balor Club for everyone's shirts, the rainbow shirts, everything. They are pushing it. I know, because you had no demon at WrestleMania. Yeah. It's like you don't it's like you don't push anyone else to have this but Finn Balor. Yeah. You can just but you know the Go ahead. It just it it just shows that it's nothing more than just a business plan. It's not an actual thing they're doing. That's true. But you know what, man? We talked about a lot tonight, but to wrap it up and bring it home, I had to ask you, man. Who is the best technical wrestler to you of all time? Chris Benoit. Solid. Chris Benoit. I still Chris think... Chris Benoit? Yep. I think Chris Benoit is better than Bret Hart. <sighs> I want to say Rick. I want to say Kurt Henning. I have to say Kurt Angle. You say Kurt Angle? Because before Kurt Angle, I'd never seen chain submission like that. You know, reversal to reversal submissions and yeah. variations of his finisher. Like, when he started putting the grapevine on the ankle lock, it was a wrap to me. Yeah. Also, another guy that we should have mentioned, he's not the greatest wrestler of all time, and I would probably say he might be left out of top ten of all time. William Regal definitely deserves a spot as one of the greatest technical wrestlers. Definitely. The Regal stretch is awesome. Definitely. The Regal stretch is an amazing submission. Yeah. Well, and, I'm about to go do some old man stuff. But there's also one more guy before, before we go. One more guy that we all forgot. What is that? Chris Masters. But ladies and gentlemen, that was the Bunch of Sparks podcast episode. If you like what you heard, uh, subscribe to us here on YouTube. Subscribe to us here on SoundCloud. Check us out on Instagram, Twitter. Follow us in our link on down in the links below. I will make sure to leave them. Uh, leave a comment, like, subscribe, and I hope you guys all have a nice day. Enjoy your lives of wrestling, and hey, don't get too annoyed. Vince may not be listening. Actually, actually, there's no up to that. Vince is listening to us. But we will see you guys next time.